This is Mel. And this is Allie. And this is Get High. Well, are are you guys ready? Because I got some more blowing your mind to to do. Are you ready for the next session? Okay. All right. I have a question. I have a question. Sure. Rich, are and if you don't know the answer, that's okay. Um, com- so the Marianas Trench is like really, really far down, right? Yes, it is very far down. Like super far down. It's miles, yeah, miles and miles. How how long does it take to get the thing down there? Like, oh, how long does it take to get something down there? Yeah, because like um, I, I know that question. like for Titanic, for Titanic, for a mm-hmm. comparison point, it takes like four or five hours or something like that to get the thing down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And then you spend all day down there digging around on the wreck. And then it takes four and a fa- four and a half, five hours to come all the way back up. It actually takes longer to come back up. And the mm-hmm. reason why gets into some physiology. Do you want that? It's up uh. to you. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about it. It's all about air pressures. And y- yeah, it is. I mean, chemicals. That I'll, I can, sim- I can, I can give it pretty simple. So, okay. so when, you're in a, when, you're, when you take a scuba diving class, what you're learning is how not to die. But not, mm-hmm. like, not how to die drowning. It's about when you are at the surface, I said you're at one atmosphere of pressure, and every 10 meters you go down is another atmosphere of pressure. So if you're only 30 feet down, you can feel it when you scuba dive or snorkel or whatever. You can feel the pressure in your ears, right? You go down just 30 feet, you're now double the amount of pressure that you were at the surface. Well, what that happens is if you had a balloon and you took it down to that level, it would crush down to half the size. Does that make sense? Right? Because it's going mm-hmm. to get, get pressed down because it's got twice as much pressure on it, right? That happens when you're in a scoop to your scuba tank. So when you take a breath from a scuba tank at the surface, you're getting like a normal lung size of breath. When you take breath from a scuba tank at at 10 meters, at 33 feet, you're taking in air the size of your, the volume of your lungs, but you're actually taking in twice as much air because it's been crushed down to half its size. Does that make some sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. That means there's twice as much oxygen in there, but it also means there's twice as much nitrogen. And the farther you go down... And in, in that pressure, nitrogen is pushed into solution. It means that the nitrogen that you're inhaling, you're under so much pressure that the nitrogen now dissolves into your bloodstream. So the deeper you go and the longer you breathe off that tank, the more and more nitrogen, which is not supposed to be a gas in your bloodstream, is in solution in your blood when you go down. When you come back up, that nitrogen suddenly stops being in a solution and comes out as bubbles. So if you don't slowly come up and blow off that nitrogen as it slowly develops in your system, then you get what's called the bends. If you come up too fast, basically it's like carbonated water in your bloodstream. And those bubbles will get caught in your joints and other things and other areas causing excruciating pain. And the reason why it's called the bends is because you curl up in like a fetal position because everything is excruciating. And that's the reason why they have these recovery tanks that they'll take someone who's having a Benz accident and they'll take them into these pressurized tanks and they'll increase the pressure to the depth that they were at to push all that nitrogen back into solution and then slowly bring them back out of it again so they can blow off the nitrogen. 
You can also experience something called nitrogen narcosis, which is if you're all the, if you're down and you've been down there for a while and you get all this nitrogen in your system and in solution, it starts making you drunk. And they've had cases mm. where people, this is why you never dive alone because you might be down there like a deep diver down at a hundred, couple hundred feet, just a couple hundred feet. And you could be down there for a while. And suddenly you think you see, you know, your mom a thousand feet deeper and you just got to go get her. And oh, man. people just that's go insane. and then don't come back up. So that's kind of how that works. So when you're saying like it takes, if you watch a movie called The Abyss, they're, yeah. they're going down, they go down to the rig and they're talking about how long it takes to get down to the rig. It's like, man, I can't believe it's taken us like 12 hours to get down to the rig. I can't remember the number, but the pilot's like, <laughs> the pilot's all, yeah, well, we're going to be two weeks together on the way back out. So you better just get used to it. Because they're going to have to blow off all the stuff that they are down at that depth. Yeah. Right? That movie is so scary, Rich. It's super cool. And if you watch the director's cut where they actually, instead of taking the 20 minutes of the actual ending and all the plot, they took it all out when they put it in the theater. Like, they took 20 minutes out and they were like, let's take the part that explains everything out at the end. That sounds like a good (laughs) idea. So Uh, get get the director's cut because the director's cut is much more interesting and and has a lot more to it. when I was young Mm -hmm. and it put me off jellyfish for my entire life <laughs> oh boy that's because too, of that one scene you know what i'm talking about that's too bad because it the, it made me excited about jellyfish like you have no idea no yeah it's exciting they're so scary <laughs> they don't have brains some they, of them yeah they some don't have a, they don't have a brain they have what's called a neural net which is very yeah they have different. like the network right neural network. and it lets them do mm-hmm. stuff it does uh, yeah well I, I don't like the ones that migrate rich <laughs> It's real scary. Your face, Allie. I feel so. <laughs> I, I feel a little bad about coming on the podcast now. Allie, you have you've had this look almost the entire time, like you're having an <laughs> existential crisis. Okay, but like, so uh, you want like, to move I, on to something? It's not jellyfish. Like, like, okay, so like, I love whales, right? Mm-hmm. Whales are cool. Dolphins are kind of dicks, but, like, they're really interesting. Um, <laughs> they can be, yes. Mm-hmm. I loved what you were talking about with sea lions. All, all, I'm all in for sea lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, fish in general are pretty wacky. Like, I'm into it. Um, I'm super pro sea turtle. Like, pro mm-hmm. sea turtle. Hard pro sea. I just went to the Gumbo Limbo Nature Reserve in, uh-huh. in uh, Boca Raton the other weekend, and it was mm-hmm. rad. It was sea turtle day. Yeah. Um. But, like, the jellies are not okay. They're pretty alien. They're but very alien. It's interesting to me that they're the ones that get you, but not an octopus. No, oh, I because, am very spooked by octopus. No, because, like, the cephalopods are like, oh, you put me in a mayonnaise jar? I'm going to climb out of the mayonnaise jar. And yeah. it's like, all right, I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> Or the ones that can like turn into a rock, and you're they're like, no, I'm a rock now, and you're like, yeah, I see what you did. That's cool. That's cool. I'm gonna leave you alone now, man. Uh, I'm gonna. The jellies I'm... are like, oh hey, you touched me. Now you're gonna have a rash for three weeks. Right. Or die. <laughs> or or be dead. Yeah. Right. Well, that you gets know. into some other. Co- I wasn't gonna get into colonial organisms, but I could if you want to. What does are, that mean? So, so you've heard of a Portuguese man of war. Right, which is like, like the supervillain of jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, so, hey, <laughs> Allie's hiding. So, 
<laughs> a Portuguese man of war is what's called a colonial organism. And what that means is it's not a single creature. It is actually a creature that is made up of other creatures. What? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean that when you see the little bubble that is on the top of a Portuguese man of war, they've got this little cool little sail at the top, and it's like a little bubble that keeps them floating on the surface, right? And the little sail on the top that makes them go with the wind. That in and of itself is a separate genetically a genetically different organism than the organisms that make up its tentacles or its stomach or anything else. So it's basically the Voltron of jellyfish. I think Allie just Whoa. left the room. <laughs> <laughs> she just I up can't. and walked off. She went. I just Googled pictures. So like, oh, look, gosh. looking at these things... Oh, doesn't mess me up, but like being close to them would freak me out. And, and it should be. The Portuguese man of war is extremely poisonous, and it, it can kill a human. They will murder so, you. Well, it's yeah, but you have to actually though. go. It's stunning, and but you have to don't wander into it. And no. that's yeah, the don't problem. go there. Don't go to where <laughs> right. they are. Don't go to where they wait, are. Yeah, wait, wait, sure. wait. They're okay. Um, what else is out there that's made of three separate Voltrons? <laughs> Well, there's more than three. There's a lot, and there's a lot. Okay, of but them. like, what else? <laughs> like, I, I'm I just feel like let, I've been lied to. I'm gonna let you. <laughs> I'm gonna let you just Google siphonophore, and uh, I, I'll text it to you, and then you can just Google it and do some research because there's some other things I want to talk about. Can you spell that for what me? Yeah, siphonophore. Uh, S i p h o n o. P-H-O-R, okay, Sifonophore. this is some this is some shit that doesn't look like it's alive shit. Right, right. Like it doesn't look alive, but it is. Surprise! The ocean wants to kill you. Ooh, yes, yes, it like does. Oh, I, oh gosh. No, sorry. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, go on. Okay, what were you saying, Rich? <laughs> okay, so let's move to something different. How about something cool. like an underwater lake? Ooh. Uh huh. I just want you to. I just want you to sit with that idea for a minute. It How does beautiful. that work? Is there an atmosphere bubble? <laughs> no. It's like SpongeBob, where there's like a lake yeah. underwater. It's like if Bikini Bottom met Cthulhu. Oh. Why? Why Cthulhu? <laughs> so the way why? an underwater so the way an underwater lake works is that there's material. Like remember, I was telling you about these hydrothermal vents that spew up all of this stuff up from underneath the crust, right? Well, that's an example of where all these chemicals come from in the ocean. And if you have an area of the ocean where there's, like, say, a whole lot of, say, salt water concentration, that salt water becomes heavier than the surrounding water, and that heavier salt water, and it will collect down at the bottom, like in a, in a divot somewhere, just like a lake. But it, it looks different because its density is different, right? Also, they tend to have this kind of creepy fog on top of it because it's where the transition goes from, like, the lake to the thing. And then... There's life all around the edge of this thing. Again, it's all chemosynthesis, but here's the thing. It's, it's the lake of life and death because the chemicals on the edge of the lake can be consumed by bacteria, and then things eat that, and then it's usually like a lot of like bivalves, like mussels and stuff like that, and then things come by and eat the mussels, right? The thing is, if you go into the lake, it would just... If you, like there are, there are eels that go into the lake to try and catch stuff. They, kind of, they try to look for stuff that's in there. The thing is, if they spend too much time in there, all of that sodium chloride that's dissolved in that space will absolutely just shut down their nervous system. And they actually got it in Blue Planet 2. You can see this, this eel like having a seizure after he spent a little bit too much time 
under in this fog cloud and then coming out of it and you just see his neural system just shut just shutting down from going inside this thing so yeah it's and then you also see here's the, here's the other creepy thing which reminds me of like lord of the rings that swamp that had dead people in it you remember that yeah the thing is when stuff dies in there it doesn't break down because there's, no, there's no bacteria in it because bacteria can't survive in it. So it doesn't decompose. So it's a lake full of forever just dead bodies that never decompose. Oh, wow. There's no animals What if to it eat gets it? full? What, the lake? Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe it'll just keep getting bigger and like expand because there's mass like... I don't know. Buoying. Yeah. It might oh, just man. overflow, you mean, because it's the mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know if we know. Yeah. And then there's the mantis shrimp. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can do this. <laughs> All right. I think it's be one of one of the one of my one of my things I want to tell you. I I might skip the bobbit worm, judged by the way that Allie reacted. You can go look up bobbit worm if you want. But the mantis okay. shrimp, the mantis shrimp, it's one of the most beautiful things in the ocean. It is absolutely gorgeous. But we've also shown that its eyes can see more of the light spectrum than any animal on the planet. Uh, it probably sees stuff. We, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced mantis shrimp can just see the, see the, see the dimension next door, like just bleeding over. Like these things are yeah. nuts, but they can't the, talk to it, but Oh, they oh, can see it. Well, we don't know if they can't talk to it. <laughs> don't judge. Oh man. Yeah, that's true. We don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that, but here's yeah, one of the things anything. that's crazy about the mantis shrimp. They have this thing, how they take out their prey is they have a club. They're also sometimes, they're, there's related to, excuse me, they're related to something called a pistol shrimp too. So this club, uh, where they're like claw, where a claw would be, it, it, it clicks into place and then they fire it out, right? So it's on a hinge and it just swings out, right? Just think of like a wrecking ball for like, a, like on a crane, right? The thing is that in this tiny distance that that, that movement is because the mantis shrimp isn't it's it's a pretty good sized shrimp but it's not you know it's not a whale or anything in that tiny little distance it goes from zero to 50 miles an hour it moves so fast that it creates something called a cavitation bubble which means the water doesn't understand that this object isn't there anymore like the club moves so fast that the water can't move in after it because it's moving so fast. And so the, the thing will hit like, um, say it hits a crab, right, with this club. It hits the, cl- the crab at 50 miles an hour with the club. And then the cavitation bubble explodes as the water gets pulled into it. And then it gets hit again. Even if it misses a fish, it can kill it with the aftermath of its of its club. It can stun it easily or potentially just outright kill it. And it missed. It's it's in, it's insane. So is that like is that I mean I'm trying to is that more like hellish rebuke? Yeah, it's like or hellish rebuke. Is that rebuke. like flurry of blows? It could be a really cool special effect for Flurry of Blows if you play 5th yeah. edition. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Mm-hmm. The Mana Shrimp is it's really kind, cool. It's kind of like that. Yeah. There's a lot going they're on awesome. with the Mana Shrimp. Um, they're also, getting a little they more look popular. Like 
colors. They do. Yeah. People, I'm super people, into their color spectrum thing. Yeah. People know more about them now because wasn't it the oatmeal? Wasn't it oatmeal? It, yeah. It put out their mantis. Oatmeal did it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Someone else did a video though that was like, "This is the mantis." Room. Oh yeah, you can find a lot of really cool anything I'm talking about. You can go find videos of, but I I can't recommend Blue Planet too highly enough. Just is I, it on I, the Netflix? Uh, the original one is on Netflix, um, but the Blue Planet Two is currently being released in the states. So I actually purchased it on digital, and as the episodes are coming out from the BBC, I'm just picking up the episodes and watching them, and watching That's them fair. and watching them with my kids. Um, mm. They have uh, one of the things my daughter is fascinated by is there's a um, there's a sperm whale that dies and drops down on the bottom of the ocean and they just they just kept cameras going back and visiting this thing over months and months as it decomposed it was eaten by six gill sharks it had all these giant uh, Japanese uh, spider crabs that came in chewing on it and like doing all this kind of stuff and they get down to the bones. And you'd think like, oh, okay, now the bones are down there and the bones are just going to kind of become like fossils or whatever. Nope, they have something called a zombie worm. <gasps> and the zombie worms actually <laughs> crawl into the bone and they, they spit up acid and the acid breaks down, breaks down the calcium in the bones to get to the little bits of fat that are still in the bones. So they just riddle through this thing like termites and then the Ugh. whole thing collapses. Ugh. Wait, they, how long did that whole process take? Oh, you know what? I'd have to go watch it again. It took like a it year? took a long time. Yeah, it's almost a year. It's it's I think it's like eight or ten months. I'd have to watch the numbers again. It's a long time. The actual bones would take an extremely long time to break down, but the rest of the flesh is actually, you know, consumed fairly quickly. And then you have like one of the sharks that was eating on it, it's called a six gill shark. The six gill shark is also bonkers because the six gill shark that we watched eat this thing probably won't eat for a year. Oh, wow. That will be the... Because it, it lives so far down that something like a whale that drops down, they can smell that from miles away. They will show up, they will gorge on it, and then they move so slow, and they have a metabolism that's so slow at this depth because of the cold that they just don't eat for another year. Oh, and that's another thing. The reason why sharks can go down that deep and not freeze to death is because they recycle their urine into their bloodstream, so it acts as an antifreeze, and they don't freeze. How about that? What? But they concentrate mm. uric salts and then reproduce them into their bloodstream. So that why it... doesn't every animal have that? Because it's gross. No, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's... it is gross. But like, if that would keep us <laughs> mm-hmm. all from freezing, and the, the reason why it hasn't happened in us is the same reason why we sleep both hemispheres of the brain at a time, and dolphins don't, and that's because of environmental pressure. Right. So mm-hmm. if we had developed into dolphins or whatever, if we had a common ancestor, which you know we do, if we had a closer common ancestor, then we mm-hmm. might do the same thing, right? If there were aquatic you know, humans um, that, that did this, then yeah, we might have that environmental pressure. If you don't have the environmental pressure, you're not going to select for it. You're not going to have that chosen to do. Yeah. Sharks figured stuff out a very long time ago, and then we're like, yeah, we're good. We're gonna just gonna stay like this forever because we're freak, we're these perfect creatures. I, I, there yeah. was a, there was an experiment that I read about when I was I saw a video of it when I was in college. This was in the early '90s, so forever and a day ago. They had taken the brain out of a shark, which is not very big, and they had they had attached it to a device that would move with the sh- move. Well, keep the shark harnessed, but it would allow it to move. And they took the brain out, and the shark kept swimming for seven days. Like, the brain in that particular shark is only used basically as a relay station from the senses to the body. 
So the senses pick up something that it wants to eat, goes to the brain, the brain makes the body go over to where it is, and they eat it. There isn't much else going on in most sharks' brains, right? As opposed to a dolphin or a whale, that's a whole different story, or a sea, or a sea lion, or an octopus, or a squid, right? There's a whole different world going on there. But even so, we're also seeing fish that are doing uh, ridiculous types of awareness. And there's, um, I can't remember what kind it is. It's like a kind of grouper fish that actually works alongside octopus, octopuses. So octopuses and this, and this fish work together because the fish can actually, it can't get into the, to the, its prey is tiny fish that go into reefs and stuff. It can't get in there. But it can see in there, and it can see where things are going. And so it will hang out outside the reef, point basically like a pointer dog, point at the fish, and then change its color scheme to get the octopus's attention. And then the octopus comes over, knows what's going on, goes in and grabs the fish. Now, either the octopus gets the fish and eats it themselves, or it scares the fish out of the reef, and then the other fish eats it. So they That's just, really cool. So they just hang out, and they just do that because, you know, it's a team thing. Right. Oh wow. Now, when I was coming, when I, you know, when I was a kid, we were always, there was always this snotty, you know, uh, anthropocentric kind of view of the world. Like, oh, we're the only animals who use tools, and we're the only animals who do teamwork, and we're the only animals who do altruistic things, and it's just all this garbage that I knew and I knew wasn't true. <laughs> like in my heart, I knew it wasn't true, and then now we're just see it's tools freaking ever tools for as long as I far as I can see. Right. Mm -hmm. And this, all of the stuff that you're seeing in these things, particularly in this oceanic environment is crazy. And then back to the hydrothermal vents, they found a hydrothermal vent at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. That's basically just spewing out the building blocks of life. So basically hydrocarbons and materials that are used to create life are coming up from the center of the earth and pouring into the ocean. So we're like, Oh, Maybe that's where things started, <laughs> or maybe that's how things came about. Like we don't know, we can't mm. ever know, but that's crazy. Um, yeah, I have probably a thousand more things I could talk about, uh, but I'm I'm worried for Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna sleep tonight. <laughs> I hope Mel's. I hope Mel's getting screenshots of this whole thing. Just crazy. I'm just. I'm recording it in my brain. I should right. have I taken just... a screenshot. I'm a dummy. <laughs> I. Uh, are you glad you invited me on the show? I mean, yeah, because like I, <laughs> I, I've always really liked marine biology, like as a concept. I'm not good at science and right. math myself, but I've, I, I'm one of those people where I'm like. This is not something I will ever study on my own. Can someone talk to me about it? Because I think mm-hmm. I find it really interesting. I love yeah. like hearing all of this stuff, um, mm-hmm. and even this even the stuff that really yucks me out is really interesting to me because it's yeah. it, it it exists. It's out there. You right. didn't make it up to tell me on the show. It's no. real. It's a thing that is Googleable, and yeah. it's even a thing though- that's watchable on this show. Like these are this is the thing we live. I, such an appreciation for living in the future. Like we don't. I mean. Again, the the incalculable vast amount of human existence has never seen some of the stuff that you and I can just watch on the show, yeah, or watch on the net and the research that people are doing. It's, it's well, that's insane. exactly it. It's like there's so much that 
so many people in the world would never ever see or hear of or experience mm -hmm. that is happening all the time. And like you said, has been happening throughout human history and we've just never seen it before, yep. which is mind numbing it and is wonderful. Mind -numbing. I'm so glad. I was worried when you got up and ran off, but I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel better, but... <laughs> I hope you have some pleasant dreams. Just don't look up. <laughs> just don't look up videos of the bobbit worm. Just wait until. I mean, I looked at the picture. It was not good, Rich. No, just it's the video. It's the video that's going to get you. The picture. If you think the picture's bad, that yeah. that shit cuts fish in half, Mel. Yeah. Mm. With its mouthpiece. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not and good. It's, it's ten feet long, mm. Mel. No. Vino. Yeah. Yeah. The, nope. the bobbit worm nah. is full on nightmare fuel. It is absolutely it is, nightmare it fuel. It is not good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I think I'm going to pass on that one. We don't need that. <laughs> I don't. I don't need that worm mm -mm. in my known. Rich, mind's did you eye. did you hear yeah. about the speaking of cephalopods? Did you hear about um that that octopus that kept correctly choosing? Which sock, which football team in Europe was going to win the next match a couple years ago? Uh, yeah, something like that. I had heard it was some like Frank about it. was his name or Pete or something like that. It was this octopus that somebody had in a tank, yeah. and mm -hmm. they would like put up the the logos for the different teams and be like, "All right," and he would go and he'd touch the one repeatedly, mm -hmm. and that team would win. And it mm. happened like six games in a row or something like that, and everyone was like, "Ah." Yeah, so it, when I hear stuff like that, um, I tell people perhaps this might be the reason why I'm working on Descent into Midnight, which is about psychic sentient creatures in an advanced civilization that has nothing to do with humans in any way. Because that doesn't... I, it's fascinating to me. What is psychic abilities and blah, blah, blah. That's a whole mm -hmm. whatever conversation. What could really be happening, blah, blah, blah. But it stimulates the imagination now, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Yeah. And that's one of the things we're trying to do with Descent into Midnight. One of the th we don't actually have like set species or, you know, that kind of stuff that you're playing. We've had people come in and they, they create their own, basically they create their own species. So someone, cool. and it's on an alien world, so you can do whatever you want. So what we're finding is happening is people will have heard of this one random thing on a documentary and say, oh, this has always fascinated me. I'm going to base a whole culture on it. Right. We had one one of our playtesters was playing a it was a it was a school of psychically linked goldfish. So it was a mm. hive mind goldfish cool. that lit that lived inside a jellyfish that was not sentient, what? that protected them and traveled around with that, like took them from place to place. And then how they how they reproduced is the two is two of the goldfish uh, like a, a two of the goldfish would leave and then they would they would mate and they would take some of the memories with them. And then, so all of these, like the whole species was at least partially connected. Like they're all like one hive mind full of memories that they would take with them. It was, this was at the table for care, the, the, you know, the, the 30 minutes of character generation at the beginning of this game. It was, wow. it was insane. That's really cool storytelling. Yeah. yeah. That's and some the, like and the it, giver shit right it, there. It's, yeah. it's inspiring because every, every player gets to create their own species or everybody could play mer mermaids or something. It does, it's whatever you guys want to do, but everybody's creating their own species and they're being inspired by different kinds of things and working together. And it, people are coming away from it going like, I've never played anything like this. Because how many times do you get to do that? Like some people have told us, I've never been comfortable 
role-playing non-human or non-humanoid things like why would I ever be comfortable with that and I Mm. absolutely want to play this game over and over again and that makes me happy and proud that people are sharing the oceans things that they've learned with other people and creating a fascination with what's down there and that just I couldn't make me happier like that's so cool actually yeah Yeah. I want to play that I definitely want to play that we'll sign up for a play test and and we'll, we'll, we'll I'm sure I'm sure I will at least be asking uh, James, if we could play a game on one shot yeah. at some point. Rich, last question. Sure. Mermaids. Yeah. Thoughts. Thoughts on mermaids? Yeah. Um, they don't exist, but there is but? there is a really, really cool, like, uh, uh, whatever they call them, document, false documentary, mockumentary. Um, yeah. That was actually, it was really cool to watch, and it had some really cool theories and ideas. It was based on... It was based on a, a now pretty much dismissed uh, hypothesis called the aquatic human hypothesis, and the aquatic human hypothesis, hypothesis had to do with this idea that if we, if we as human, the reason why we only have hair on top of our heads, and we have you know hair in our armpits and that kind of stuff, but not on the outside of us, and we have these little webs between our fingers, and we have we experience something called a mammalian dive reflex, which is you know you've heard stories of people dropping in a in a cold lake and then they're under there for twenty minutes, but they get brought back to life, right? It's the same thing that happens in, in medicine. As, as a nurse, I have regularly had people, when I was in the ICU, we'd put them under basically super intense cold to prevent damage from occurring and, and then slowly bring them back out of it after a heart attack or a stroke. Um, mm. That's called a mammalian dive reflex, and that's what happens with dolphins and whales. When they dive down to depth, they, they shut down the circulation to all their peripheral, or peripheral uh, areas, like their hands and their feet and stuff, but they focus it on their heart and lungs and they slow everything down so that they go into suspended animation. Well, we experience that. Like when you stick your face into cold water, it's the reason why it kind of wakes you up because it literally jumpstarts your, your physiology system thinking like it's in self-defense mode. Right? So the theory, the hypothesis was that if we developed all these things, maybe it's because we went into the water for a while. (laughs) Basically we spent so much time in coastal communities and then kind of came back out again. Right? Um, Maybe that's the reason why we learned how to stand up straight because we had the weight of our bodies were lessened because of the fact that we were floating in water. It's a really interesting hypothesis. It's pretty much been debunked and and, and, not debunked, but like proven is incorrect. But that that mockumentary basically uses that as the foundation for creating this idea about merfolk, which is actually pretty cool to watch and really inspirational. It's just, yeah, I don't think so. It's fairly untrue is what you're saying. I mean, there's a there's a fish living under fifteen thousand pounds of square. Yeah, we don't pressure. know, do so, we? We don't know. You know, to be perfectly honest, I just I can't I can never say absolutisms in science or medicine. We do our best. So cannot confirm or deny. I can't confirm or deny, but unlikely, though cool. My my cool friend Becca wrote a book, and it's coming out in fall of 2018, and it's called Speak the Ocean, and it's uh, a contemporary fantasy sci-fi i guess um in the not so distant future set on key west florida um at a a uh, like an aquatic center like a science center but also kind of like a sea world thing where there's performances mm-hmm. um and it's about it's about mers that they've discovered mer people yeah. um and that they've captured them for research and science and they've trained them to like perform like dolphin shows okay. um but the mers aren't like sexy aerial mermaids with Good. like shell bras thank you they're like they're like nasty neon colored fish beasts right that like 
don't speak English. Like they communicate to each other the way like dolphins would. Sure. Um, but like they don't speak English and they're not they're not hot. They're not cute. They're not pretty. Good. Um, and one of the trainers <laughs> discovers that they're sentient. And then it's like, oops, the ethics of this are now in question. What do we do? I want to read that. Um, it sounds fantastic. There's actually yeah. someone who took someone who did a uh, basically aerial little mermaid style mermaids if they were evolved from different kinds of fish including Mm. like angler fish from way down in the deep and stuff you should actually do a google search for that because that that was some pretty yeah i'll check that out because we we incorporated some of that idea into warda um with the nyati which are the the water fae and Uh that every time a nyati is introduced we're like all right what kind of fish is it okay this one's this one's like an octopus she's like purple and mottled and like got like a little beaky face and this guy's a you know an angler fish with a weird jaw and this guy's you know so we try to incorporate that into word it as well because it's it's, like you said the ocean has so much to offer visually (laughs) and for your imagination that it would be a it would be a shame not to explore that more. And hearing that you're incorporating it into, into something like Border makes me really happy. So personally, cool. thank you for that. Yeah. So Rich, what would be the best way for people to reach you if they want to talk to you about Blue Planet or just marine biology in general? Yeah, you can find me. Um, one of the easiest ways to go to, uh, descent into midnight, uh, their, t- my Twitter feed there. So it's at D I M that's descent into midnight D I M R P G. Um, we should have links to our other regular Twitter feeds. My normal Twitter feed is umbral Walker, U M B R A L W A L K E R. Um, you'll hear me talking about stuff there. Um, if you are a gamer and are interested in the stuff that I talk about, about using aquatic systems, and how to adapt things to aquatic games, you can go to my column From the Depths on tribality.com. I also ran an entirely aquatic 5th edition D&D adventure on the Don't Split the Podcast Network uh, with James Intricasso and Darcy Ross, who's also an amazing marine person. Um, that one is a, uh, is a D&D game that was with aquatic races and an aquatic adventure entirely underwater. It has nothing to do with the surface at all. So you can go check out, kind of putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah, and that's it. Um, so you can find me there is the best way to do it. And come do it and come talk to me about it. And I will tell you all about uh, other things like the science fiction role-playing game that's called Blue Planet. That is one of the best settings I've ever seen in my life that came out about 20 Ooh. years ago. Ooh, so awesome. it's great stuff. Well, thank you so much for thank joining you. us today. I feel like I've been on a magic school bus. <laughs> it's what it felt like. That was yeah. my goal. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 have a, I have hair like the frizz, so <laughs> it's pretty much. Definitely have dresses awesome. like hers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me on. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Thank you. Before I let you all go, I've got a little proposition for you. Do you want to be a music legend? Are you a karaoke icon? Do you love to sing in the shower? Then prove your musical abilities with a hilarious new party game, Earworm. In Earworm, players have to recreate their favorite songs with one catch. They can't use any of the lyrics. With over 200 song cards, multiple game modes, and beautiful artwork, Earworm is a welcome addition to any game collection. Want to learn more about Earworm? Check out the Kickstarter campaign on now at www.earwormgame.com. 
thank you for joining us. Yeah, we hope you got a little bit of hype about this. Or maybe it triggered some interesting ideas for things that you are hype about that you'd like to hype at us. Yeah, please do tweet at us. We are at GetHypePod or email us at GetHypePod at gmail.com. We've got a whole list of people that we'd love to get as guests, but we also want to know what you want to hear. Thanks for listening and stay hype. Stay hype, guys. Thank you.